Hi, and welcome to Recorded Live. This is your host, Marcia, podcasting from beautiful Piermont on the Hudson. I am joined today with multifaceted entertainer and old friend Richard Skipper. We met about 30 years ago when we were... No, no. It, uh, has it been 30 years? I think it was. Oh, my God. And you're not a day over 29, so I don't know how that happened. I know. That makes me a day older than my daughter. But <laughs> I, we, I, can't, I can't believe it was, it's been 30 years. We were both working at the turning point. That's right. That's right. And I believe you were doing your Liza Minnelli show at the Carol time. Carol Channing. You were doing Carol Channing yes. at the Coven, was it? was it? It was local, wasn't it? Wait a minute. Uh, if this was 30 years ago... Um, at the Coven, I appeared there as Judy Garland. Yeah, it was Judy. It was Judy. It was Judy. And that lasted about a minute out of my career in the scheme of things. I heard it was fabulous. People thought it was fabulous, but the unfortunate thing is, first of all, physically, I am so different from Judy. She was 4'11", and Just I'm 5'11", and I'm a big guy. And so I was able, and I sang live. It was not a lip sync show. Uh, but Good, I hate lip sync. I hate, uh, well, I don't want to offend any lip singers out there. But I'm not a fan of lip sync either. A, except in um, vid, instead of, in, like, videos, like MTV videos exactly. and stuff. That's, then it's okay. Right. So, but I was performing, but the, the big problem is, and you know this about me, I'm all about positivity. Oh, I'm all absolutely. About, you, I'm all about putting out a positive message and celebrating the artist. Um, I had a much more successful career performing as Carol Channing than I did as Judy. You had a and long career. I had a long career, 20 years. I headlined in Atlantic City and Las Vegas and around the world. But Carol Channing is such a positive uh, light. Notice I put her in the present tense because I don't think of any of these as being gone. Because anytime we listen to their music, anytime they appear on TV, they're with us. And when and I, I think of Carol, I think of her smile. Her, I, smile, her smile fills up her whole face. And so, but when I was performing as Judy, most interviewers, most people who wanted to talk about Judy, they wanted to go into the direction of her addictions and her issues and her problems. So, and that was not what I was about. And that's not where I wanted to go with everything. So uh, I just got tired of that. And I wanted to present, my Judy was set in 1963, although I made her ageless. And I set her at a time when uh, she was in Los Angeles doing her TV series. Uh, she wanted it to succeed. Unfortunately, CBS did not know what to do with her. Was that the Judy Garland that show? That was the Judy Garland show. And she only did 27 episodes. But if you've ever seen those, and your listeners can go on YouTube, uh, they are available on DVD, you will see that she was at the top of her game when she did those shows. I have not seen them, but I will look for and them. And she was just phenomenal. And that's the Judy that I wanted to present to the world. Not a tragic figure. Right. And... It was always difficult because that's where the press and the media, unfortunately, wanted to go with the role. Unfortunately, when uh, a famous person dies in that light, it's, mm -hmm. it usually stays with them. Exactly. Which is exactly. unfortunate. And Judy, I mean, Liza and Lorna both say Judy Garland was not a tragic figure. Anyone that I know who has worked with Judy, and I've met a lot of people who were lucky enough to know her, said that she was an incredibly funny person. She was all about enjoying life. That's wonderful to hear. And, but, and that's what I focus on. And I know that I'm of the minority. I do a lot of interviews myself, as you know, and I'm interested in what makes a person tick. 
How did you, for example, get from point A to point B and beyond that? Right, I can understand. Um, what is your process um, on a daily basis? Do you have a daily routine? Do you uh, go through life with a, a certain mantra or something or a motto or a creed? Those are the things that I'm interested in. I'm not interested in the negativity of a person or you know or someone else. Right, and they probably, and your dog agrees with yeah, me. Yeah, and they are. Yes. Yeah, that's Star. Star says yes. hello, and they they're not interested in posit- positively being negative or. There's something in our culture and in American people that make people want to go for the salacious. Uh, People are gossips for yeah, the most I don't, part. I don't like that. I don't like it either. I, like um, I read a lot of biographies. I read a lot of uh, autobiographies. And I'm not interested when someone writes about a third person in the third person and that person is no longer here. That's why I like to the autobiographies themselves. Yes, better absolutely. than the biographies. And you have the right to tell your story as you want the world to know your story. Oh, absolutely. And that's a story I prefer to hear. Exactly. Than something somebody made up or scandalous or I was their maid and we, we'll talk about that one later. Okay. But no, you're absolutely right. I want to hear positive and you have that positive attitude mm-hmm. and aura about you, which makes people feel good. Well, I think life is too short. Well, it is too short and none of us are promised tomorrow. Uh, and it's, we're not responsible. And right now the world is turned upside down. Let's face it. And whether you're here or in England or anywhere in the world, the world is on such an upside down axis right now. And you are not responsible for what the man in the White House does or says or what his followers say and do. What you are responsible, however, for is how you respond to what the president does. And to be the best person. And to be the best person that you can possibly be. And I begin each day with two little things that I, this is part of my morning routine. I get my coffee, I get up and I go, okay, I'm putting my blinders on because I can't think about what the next person's doing. I have to think about what I can do to get me through the day. I've got 24, minus 24 hours. That's like a meditation. That's like a meditation. That's number one. And number two, I want to be 1% better than I was yesterday. That's all I ask for, just 1% better. That, you know, keeping your goals reachable seems to Mm -hmm. be a a better thing to do than Mm -hmm. than somebody saying, I'm going to do all the stuff on this list today. Keep them reachable. Put only two things on that list. It's why most diets don't succeed. It's why most uh, pursuits don't get accomplished. It's why New Year's resolutions don't last beyond uh, June 3rd. Oh, if I, it, I gave up them if a long they la- time ago. <laughs> if they last that long. It's a matter of saying, uh, okay, I have 24 hours, and that's all I think about. And I'm not thinking about the bigger picture. What can I do today? physically in the next hour, in the next 24 hours. How can you keep yourself focused like that? I know for myself, I have a problem focusing on that. My mind will drift as in meditation. Mm -hmm. It'll drift on things that are not all that important, but in my mind, they are important and I need to discover them now and work on them now. How do you keep that at bay and keep your daily prospects there without limiting yourself to thinking about the, the well, bad for me, things. I it started for me when I started reading Julia Cameron's books. 
I am a huge fan of Julia Cameron. I don't know if you're familiar with no, her. I'm not. She wrote The Artist Way, and she's written oh, a I lot. Oh, I am. Yes. As a matter <laughs> of fact, I'm going to be starting a workshop in a few weeks, um, and this will be the third time that I've gone through this workshop. It's on Wednesday nights here in, in the uh, Palisades Library. Okay. And Piermont, where we live. Wednesday nights. Um, if you are what available time? to join me, seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. It's a great <gasps> group of people. Uh, he's, Star a, he's Star yes, Star he wants to go. Uh, but I, I do. There are two things that I do on a regular basis. Every day, I do my morning pages, and your morning pages are to begin the day by doing what Julia calls a mind dump, where you sit down and you just start writing. You are. It's not about penmanship. It's not even about cohesive thoughts. It's about everything that's popping into your brain as you're writing these three pages. What did I eat, uh, What did I dream about last night, if you can remember those dreams? And I've been having some very vivid um, dreams lately. Um, I don't Scary know. vivid or good yeah, vivid? Well, uh, a lot. You know, we're going to be going to South Carolina to do my show. I had a dream the other night. Richard's from South um, Carolina That originally. I was performing at the Carlisle, and I had a packed house, and I was very, very excited. And at the end of the show, people are getting up, and they're walking out. They're not paying their checks. And I said, this is my dream. And I say to my husband, Danny, why aren't people paying their checks? And he says, well, I paid them to come see your show. And it was like, oh, my God, they didn't come on their own accord. <laughs> that to me is like a nightmare. Well, you can you can write right. something about this because it's kind of funny, actually. Yes, yes. You know, I mean, if you, if you saw it. On television, that's that would be very. That would funny. be very funny. It's, that there is an audience there, but they were there because they were being paid to be there, essentially. And that was the we a weird dream that I had just like two nights ago. Uh, last night, I dreamed that I was trying to get somewhere, and I kept hitting all these obstacles as were I was you getting walking? there. I was walking, and so and I know that now uh, I'm going to be in South Carolina in nine days from that's today. Exciting. And it's exciting. And I am think I'm dealing with certain obstacles in terms of getting there. You have to start talking with your, your South Carolina accent again. Uh, well, it's funny. I tell a story <laughs> in my show that when I started, I, I had a wonderful mentor, uh, Miss Epps. I talk a lot about her in the show. And she came up to me and she said, uh, Ricky, with this high pitched voice that she had, she says, I think you can be a great actor but only if you get rid of that accent. And I said, what accent? <laughs> <laughs> and that's true. And, it, you know, and I had a Southern accent that you could cut with a knife. Oh, but, you know, but that's who I am. I am, again, I've, you know, every day is not perfect for me. Um, and there are a lot of stories that I could tell that would probably make your hair turn white. Uh, it, it already is. It already is. It's Not today. It, it's, no, it's hiding under red dye. No, but it's beautiful. I love your hair. Thank you. But why put that out into the world? You know, I, I choose not to. Right. And we are living in a culture now where every single person, and you know who they are, they're all narcissists. They all feel that their voice is the most important voice that we need to hear that voice the lack of empathy um well that is another aspect of it but the fact that everybody feels if there's a thread on facebook that you've got to weigh in on that thread and i now take a deep breath and i go do 
does what I have to say really add to this conversation? Or change anything. Or change right. this conversation? I can jump on the bandwagon. It's very easy to jump on a bandwagon where you have a group of people who are in sync with what you believe and feel. Uh, so the thing is, uh, I can choose to add to that, or I can say, no. I usually let those go by. Let them go. It's, it's not worth go. me getting aggravated about. And for everyone who's listening out there, I don't care what you had for dinner. I don't. Unless you've invited me to go and I couldn't go. I always say that, or unless you're going to bring me some of the stuff. Right. It's like, look at this cake I made. Are you bringing me the cake? Yes. I don't care. I don't care. I don't understand this need that everyone has to check in. I have a friend and it, like every five minutes he's checking into a new place and he checks in on Twitter, um, or on, on, Facebook. on Facebook. And I go, you're just putting a message out to the world. My apartment's available. Come and rob me. I'm not home. I'm not home. Yeah. And so all of these things, you know, the selfie generation and all these things, and you bring up the word empathy. And I do believe that because everyone is so caught up in the me, 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 me movement. I know there's the me too movement, but there's also the me, me movement. Yeah, that was, And been everyone is so while. caught up in that movement that I do believe, and this is Richard Skipper talking, that this is why, you know, let's face it, um, there's the gun issue in this country, but it's easy for someone to walk into a room and shoot people if they have no empathy for the for human life and who those people are. And it's not just that, it's the way that people are behaving on buses and subways, oblivious to the people around them. You bump into somebody now. Rudeness. And it's rudeness, and rudeness. it's World War Three, and it's this sense of entitlement that everybody feels, it's my, it, I, I deserve this, this is mine. The, what happened to this is ours? And I was listening last night to Ken uh, to Ken Burns. Which which one were you listening to specifically? Uh, well, he was doing an interview last night because, okay. but his uh, country, uh, He's music, got country music. Have music you been watching it? I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard about it. It is phenomenal. And I the other night they were talking about Hank Williams, I love who Hank I Williams. love. Yes, his mother was named Lily Skipper, and it's very rare. That's to hear, his last. That was her last. That name? was her maiden name. Wow. And her father's name was John B. Skipper. I've been doing research. Maybe you're related. Maybe I'm related to Hank Williams. Wouldn't that be something? Well, you're in the same part of town. And, you know, we're both from the South. Yeah. And it's a possibility. But so I'm now doing a little research uh, to figure out if my lineage will go to Hank Williams. Wouldn't that be something? That is exciting. But uh, Ken uh, Burns was talking in an interview last night. And he said that when you think about this, the U.S., and then there, that's the capital U.S., and then there's the lowercase U.S., which is all of us, you know, you, me, our neighbors, the people that, the reason that, and what our president, regardless of what side you're on politically, has tapped into is lack and less than and that person's going to get more of the pie than you have rather than thinking there's enough pie for all of us to enjoy this pie so let's all enjoy it and if people start operating from a point of there's enough to go around then we stop thinking 
I'm not going to get enough. Absolutely. But that's a lot like the entertainment business. Oh, yes. Because there's a lot of cutthroats out there that don't think there's enough room for you or you or you because I want it. Exactly. And I'm always, I've always been that person for better or for worse. You know, I recently did my show in New York City and I was sold out. Uh, it was everything that I wanted the evening to be. It got great reviews. It got great reviews. Um, Leroy Reams, who is a phenomenal entertainer and a friend of mine, his partner said, I believe that the reason that you're not a star is because you've spent your entire life taking care of everybody else. And maybe there's some truth in that, but that's not going to change me in terms of the way that I operate. I do believe that there is enough to go around. And as generous as I am in terms of the way that I go, take this, take that, you know, there's, there's room for all of us. Are you familiar with Brian Greene? He I, said that people are either givers or takers. Exactly. And he's got seminars online that are free. Very Brian Green. Brian Green. I've just been turned on to Brene Brown. Not familiar. And I am obsessed with her now. So you're going to turn Brian me on Green. to him as I well. Saw, I saw Brian him Green. at Caltech. They had a, a series there where mm -hmm. you got to see a lot of good people. And, but with, but what's happening is the, the flip side of that coin is as generous as I am to share the wealth. There are many who will not share the wealth with me because they're afraid that my light will outshine their light or there's not enough room for our lights to shine together. Which is so opposite of the truth. Which is so opposite the truth. What did Carol Burnett say? She said the reason people think she's so she's so entertaining is because she surrounds herself with people with the best. who are. She's, that's exactly right. And I've got a great story that I'll share with you. When Carol Channing first went to Las Vegas, um, in those days, they did shows 24-7. So there were shows at 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, because it was a money town. And Sin City, not It anymore. was Sin City, but they brought people in. They brought these entertainers in because those entertainers would bring their fans in. So the biggest star at the time was Jimmy Durante, and nobody wanted to follow him. Nobody and Carol Channing said, I will follow him because all she had to do, she said, all I had to do was to step on the stage and step into the light that he had already created for me. And that's the way to look that's at it. That's perfect. And perfect. that's the way that I am on stage with other performers. That's the way I live my life. Um, we have to stop thinking that there's not enough to go around because there is enough to go around. There is enough to go around. And, but only if you believe so. And you have to believe it. And it has to be. Um, but, you know, I, I came from, uh, you know, lower middle class in South Carolina. When I went to my parents and said I wanted to go into show business, they looked at me like I had four heads. You know, I say in my show that it was almost as if I was speaking in tongues, which is something that happens a lot in South Carolina. So that wasn't unusual. <laughs> but my parents just did not. To this day, my father, may he rest in peace, has moved on. But my mom, she still doesn't get it. You know, 
she can't understand the life that I have for we, myself. We had talked about this as I was an artist growing up, mm -hmm. and my mother always said, that's a nice hobby. Even mm -hmm. though I won awards and people wanted to buy my artwork, it's a nice hobby. Or have something to fall back on. Have a fallback profession, yes. yeah. Well, now, do they like, say to doctors, have something to fall back on? Do they say that to lawyers? Make sure you no, have something. No, they say it to people in the entertainment business. In like the we're entertainment about world. Robin Williams. His father said, you have something to fall back on, like welding. Mm -hmm. you know? Well, most people, the perception that they have about artists is that we are near the wells, that we are lazy, and that it's we do opposite, this. Opposite, opposite. It's the opposite. It's the discipline. It's in your that it blood. Takes. It's there's in no, your blood. There's nothing you can do about that. And for anyone out there who's listening, you know, somebody may be listening who's going, I want to go into show business. And a lot of those people have no clue as to what this business is like. When you have a successful show or a, a piece of art that sells or a successful podcast, that's great. But what's tomorrow? You have to keep up the good work. You have work to keep it up. Somehow. And, you know, I did a show a couple, I'm not going to mention the name because, and you'll understand why, because of the story that I'm about to tell you. But a big name in show business I did an event with last summer. And when she said yes to doing the show, she thought she was going to come in, do a couple of numbers, and call it a day. The director, however, uh, felt that she... He wanted more of her. He wanted to, and so they were at odds with one another. And there were a lot of kids in the show. And one of the kids came up to me and he says, can I talk to you privately about this? And he said, are you having a good time? And I said, well, of course I'm having a good time. He said, would you come back and do this again? And I said, if the opportunity presented itself, of course I would. And he says, well, how come you're having a good time? And this other person is not having a good time. And I said, it's not a matter of this other person not having a good time. It's the fact that more is being asked of this person. And when you think about this, this is someone who is a Tony nominee. She's an Academy Award nominee. And I'm not going to mention names. But the more successful you get, the more people expect of you. They want you to match your last success. Not match it, but top it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's constantly more so they want more and more and more of every you. Time. you have to and add to every time. Every time. And it is a hard thing to have to hold on to. And so all of us, you know, just put out the best work you can put out. And if people are gonna buy it, they're gonna buy it. You have no control over and that. Be true to yourself. Be true to yourself. Carol Cook, uh, I mean Carol Lawrence said to me once. She said, being in this business is the greatest elixir in the world. The more you get, the more you want. The rub, however, is whether or not the public wants it. And the public is a very fickle thing. Uh, we can make someone a star today, and tomorrow we want to tear that person down. We are living in a very unforgiving society now, where if you say something that's not exactly politically correct or something at a private party and someone happens to be filming you and that goes on the internet, your career can be over I know. overnight. And it's happening over and over and over again. I loved Gary Trudeau yesterday. I love Gary Trudeau. Oh, so do I. 
with the blackface issue. And do you know about this? Oh, yeah, you're, you're talking about Gary Trudeau's from the far side. No, 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 no. You're talking um, about, uh, what's his... Um, Prime Justin. Justin, is it Justin Trudeau? Justin sorry, Trudeau. Justin. Wrong Trudeau. Wrong Trudeau, so sorry, Gary. Because <laughs> Gary Trudeau from the far side is no, coming Gary back. Trudeau is... He's coming back from the far side. Oh, really? Yeah. No, it's, uh, that's uh, Gary Larson. Um, oh, that's Gary Larson. Yes. <laughs> what am I thinking of? Oh, here we are. Oh, um, you're thinking of, um, uh, God, what? Oh, please. Isn't there another... There is. Com- isn't yes. there another com- yes. comic? Yes. Yeah, Trudeau? But, but that's okay. We don't have but to anyway, the uh, prime is is he is he the prime minister of Canada? Canada is that his title? Yes, I believe that's his oh title. God! Please don't hold us against. Him. <laughs> we love Canadians. Yes, I do. But he they found a hot you know he was a high school teacher. I saw. I saw. And they and found I, I a picture of him in uh, brown uh, face, uh, and he said, "I did it, and I apologize." And we've all done silly, stupid things. Um, we are more evolved now than they were then. And and sometimes when someone is doing a blackface or brownface, you and I both know that that is unacceptable. Of course it's now, unacceptable. It's unacceptable. It was unacceptable 50 years ago. It was unacceptable 50 years ago. But then I see early Judy Garland movies where she's a minstrel performer or early Shirley Temple movies. That where was she, more than 50 years ago. That was more than 50 years ago, of course. <laughs> um, in uh, Holiday Inn, uh, there's uh, Fred Astaire has uh, Bing Crosby. They have a blackface number. It's a different society. And it's a different society. And it's a better society. It's a better society. Do but I don't believe that when they were doing a minstrel show in those films, that that necessarily made them racist. I don't think they meant to be derogatory exactly. by that. Is that, is that what you meant? Yes, yeah. that, it, that they are celebrating that particular art form. And that was an art form at one time. Is it acceptable today? Absolutely not. A lot of things have changed. Right. You know, and, you are not, and I are not going to get up and do uh, blackface no, or something. and luckily there's no tape on me anywhere doing anything. Me either. <laughs> me either. I, I, I don't think there's nothing out there that's going to incriminate me in any way whatsoever. If anyone wants I? to hire me, there's nothing in my closet. I have nothing in my closet on tape. <laughs> Back in the old days, I worked at the Red Rail and there was a lot of stuff going on there, but nobody had a camera. Exactly. You know, and by stuff, I mean just people having a good time, dancing on the tables. Well, you know, one night I went out and I've been working for years on a book celebrating all the women who have played Dolly. And I was at the Iridium in the city. And I remember that from years and years oh, ago. Well, it's still there. So I'm at the Iridium and a friend of mine comes over and he says, so what are you working on these days? And I said, well, I'm writing a book about the women who have played Dolly. And I got home that night and on Twitter... Someone had sent out a tweet that said, overheard tonight at the Iridium, someone's writing a book about Hello, Dolly. It's like, it's like a game of telephone. Exactly. Because that's not exactly what, what it was. But, but the fact is that someone had Somebody uh, picked it up. posted this. Yeah. And there's a movie called Jeffrey. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. Not familiar. And it came out in the early uh, 1990s. And the movie opened. And I had people coming up to me saying, oh, my God, I saw you in Jeffrey. 
And I said, I'm not in that movie. Yes, you are. You're in the movie. And I said, no, I'm not. And then I'm talking to someone one day. And he said, I saw you and Jeffrey. And I said, well, what am I doing? He said, well, it was at the Gay Pride Parade. And you're, and the camera follows you. And I said, so really? you're a featured extra. No, I'm a featured extra. <laughs> and I said, what are you talking about? And he said, the camera is right on your face. And I said, well, Danny must have been in the film also. Because I've never been to a gay pride parade without Danny. And everybody was like, no, I, I don't. But he's not in the spotlight like I am. So we rented the movie on VHS. Um, and sure enough. There we both are at the parade. Isn't that amazing? But I said to him, thank God neither one of us were with somebody that we should not have been with. Because we would have said, who's that person with you? So you never know. And let that be a lesson. Well, things can look incriminating and they're not. Exactly. But let that be a lesson that the way, you know, people will ask me, you know, when they're coming to a show, how should I dress? And I always say, dress the way you want to be photographed. That makes a lot of sense. Because you never know when the camera's going to be on you or uh, when uh, someone is, uh, uh, you know, you're in a restaurant and you're sitting alone. How many times is have you been in a restaurant where there's a celebrity and everyone in the restaurant is gawking at that celebrity? Usually they ignore them when I'm there. Yes. Uh, That's uh, your agent calling to say. To say that I forgot to disconnect the telephone. Oh. Do you need to get that or let uh, it just ring? Oh, yeah. Let's let it, let's. Oh, then there'll be a machine. Oh, it's my daughter. Hold on. Okay. You can keep talking. Okay. <laughs> well, what do I talk about? <laughs> we'll talk until you. Here we are. This is what live podcasts are all about. I'm, I'm in the middle of a podcast. Can I call you back? Okay. So life goes on. Life goes on. But we. Yeah, no, that, exactly. It's. Back in all the old days, nobody had any pictures, nothing to incriminate us. Mm -hmm. You couldn't pull out your telephone. But do you know that when the brownie camera, I'm a font for information, (laughs) but when the brownie camera came out, uh, Kodak camera, remember the brownie camera? I remember. There were these little black boxes that, you know, you'd look in and you'd see, you know, the the subject. But um, Teddy Roosevelt was the president and he wanted to ban them in Washington, D.C., for fear that someone would photograph something that would, you know, be against them. In Washington, D.C., now everything's on Google Maps. Everything's on Google Maps. And uh, I am telling you, uh, I go out to see a show. I get Google alerts. If I'm in the audience of a show because I'm known in New York City, I have been, you know, Richard Skipper was in the audience tonight. Again, (laughs) what if, I mean, I've always said to Danny, you have nothing to worry about. I will never cheat on you because every move that I make is scrutinized. Well, you guys have been together such a long 30 time. Years, 30 years. 30 years. That's a long time. We're not going to cheat on each other. Yeah, it's but, beyond you know, that. But, but the fact is that um, you're being watched. Let's just face it. Even if you're not being watched by somebody with a camera, I think it's seven times between here and New York mm-hmm. that you are actually on a camera. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and, uh, but that being said, I don't live a paranoid life. Neither do I. You know, if right. people, you know, and I have my Alexa and I listen to my Alexa all the time and people going, they're listening to you. I'm going to let them listen. 
I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to hide. I, yeah. I'm an open book. Isn't that beautiful? I said that before we even sat down for this interview. And, and you look terrific. Well, thank you. you it's the lighting. Is, is there anything you wanted to... Uh, to promote what you're doing? I do want to talk about my show in South Carolina because oh, okay. I am going to South Carolina on uh, September 28th, which is, I don't know when this is going to air. Uh, Next but, couple days. But it's a celebration of my life in South Carolina. Uh, growing up as a kid there, dreaming of being in show business. I made up my mind when I was 13 that five years from a particular date, I was going to go to New York. And I did. I came to New York with $500 in my pocket. As I say in the show, I had $500. And that was 30 years ago. Uh, no, that was 40 years that ago. That was 40 years ago. Uh, I had my Michelin guide. I had an umbrella. I had my suitcase. And I had my Bible because I was a good little Methodist boy from South Carolina. And I came to New York. I didn't know anyone. I had never been anywhere before. I had never slept in another bed except when I stayed at my grandparents' house. Right. Um, and here I am at 18 years old in New York City, which is as far removed from Conway, South Carolina, as you could possibly ever get. And so the first part of the show is really about that dream, that kid who had a dream, and all the opportunities that I created for myself in South Carolina so that I could be on a stage. And I found my own stages. I say in the show, before the real stages came along, I created my own. And then I came to New York when I was 18. And I talk, the first part is about the first in my life. My first acting class, my first acting job. Was that in South Carolina? Uh, no, here in New York. It was in New York. And, well, I did some acting in South Carolina with the Theater of the Republic, which is the theater that I'm going back to to perform in. And, uh, and then the, there's a third section of the show uh, that I call name dropping because I've been very, very fortunate with the celebrities that I've worked with to share those stories. Um, and everybody again, likes to hear that. Again, no gossip, but funny things that I've learned from these people. But we like to hear that. Yes. And, and then at the very end of the show, I'm bringing the artistic director of my hometown theater up on stage um, to sit and interview me on stage. Uh, before the show starts, we're passing out question cards for the audience. And the audience is going to be made up of my family, uh, friends that I grew up with, people that I went to high school with, and hopefully a lot of new people who don't know who Richard Skipper is. But in the show is upbeat. It's a family show. I don't do anything that people are going to be embarrassed by. Well, they're all family shows. Aren't they're they? all family shows. Um, I never get political uh, in my shows. Um, because there's enough of that. I don't need to add to that uh, noise. Uh, and uh, it's just, it's, a, it's a, about celebrating. I mean, when it comes to doing an autobiographical show, one of two things are going on. Either A, you are uh, embarrassed by what I'm telling because it's too personal, or you as don't care. As pertaining to them or because something you did pertains to them or? Um, well, some, I think that some, you know, and again, it, it goes back to what we talked about earlier, this me, me generation right. where people need to reveal the most, I have seen things on Facebook and I have read things and I've been in the audience of shows where I'm going, I don't need to hear this. I don't need to hear about your sex life. I don't need to hear about your conquest. Or your breakups. Or your breakups or any of those things. And that's not to say I don't care. Because one-on-one -on -one I do care. Right. But 
why put that out into the world? It's the whole world. And, All that negative energy. And I think that nowadays, I, Judy Garland once said that every time she was looking through the keyhole, somebody was looking back at her. And so she says, I stopped looking That's through keyholes. That's a little frightening. I know. Is that frightening? But think about it. <laughs> That's horrible. I know. So, but there was always the spotlight on her. Every move that she made was in the newspapers. If she went out, it was in the newspaper. Absolutely. If who she, she was had, with? Uh, uh, I'm sorry? Who she was with, what Who she, she ate? was with, what she ate. What she didn't eat. And, you know, it's very interesting because a friend of mine was actually involved with Judy um, and wrote a book about it. And he said that she had a very unique uh, relationship with food uh, because at MGM, they scrutinized everything that she ate. They called her the little fat kid, the little hunchback kid. Isn't that terrible? This was a 13-year-old kid well, that she, they're saying yeah, these things to. That's terrible. It's so, that's, she was a commodity. She was a product. That's so bullying. I agree. That's, it's terrible. It's bullying. That's How exactly what it is. How can you not have a complex from that? But you, she did. She did. And that stayed with her the rest of her life. She would not. She did not want to eat in public because it would be written about in the paper. Uh, if she got an extra slice of chocolate cake, mm. which we all do. I love chocolate I do, cake. Me too. Uh, but if she did that, it was in the papers, you know, right. and it's like every move that she made. And so she was very, you know, nervous about that. But, you know, I digress. Um, so my show is... It's autobiographical. It's autobiographical. It's a memoir. Uh, I call it a musical memoir. Uh, so you'll be singing. I'm going to be singing. And I, I do a song called This Minute, which was written specifically for this show. Right now, I'm learning, and at 58, almost 59 years old. You look much younger. Well, thank you. But I'm, <laughs> these, I've got new lyrics that are specific to South Carolina. So you can change but, it. But it is, I am, it's like getting it into my head because the old lyrics are running through my head at the same time. And so I'm trying to make this work. So It's hard sometimes because people will say, like Elton John says, he, he sung the song so many times he forgets what the words are. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Yes, I can. And it happens. It happens. And, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, Carol Cook, I don't know if you know who she was or is, but she's a friend of mine. And from, I produced her. her. Yes, I produced her last year. And she tells this great story that she was doing a show and in the show, the man is supposed to reach into his purse and shoot his girlfriend, wife, mistress, whatever she was in the show. And he is on stage and he realizes the gun is not in the purse. So what do I do? He's trying to figure it out. His brain is... And they were eating and so he, there was jelly. And he... <laughs> He took the jelly and threw it at her and said, poison jelly, poison jelly. <laughs> because he was in that moment. What do I do? How do I get out of this? And I, that's, to me, one of the funniest stories. That is hysterical. And to hear her tell it is hysterical. Poison jelly, poison jelly. That is funny. Yeah. But it's been great having you here. I'm sorry. Any time. You only live a few houses away now. Two houses over. Isn't that coincidental? I know. We have, I know. We have this whole block. I know. We got to get rid of uh, John between us. He's a great guy, but we can't talk over the fence. <laughs> I love having him next to me. No, they're, they're he's my, a great guy. They're my besties. I love them. That's great. Yeah. Are they here a lot? You know? 
Oh, here? Yes. Sometimes. Oh, that's great. When I break things, John comes over to fix it. Oh, good. Well, it's Sometimes. good to have him. But it's and he got you here, didn't he? Yes. So we're he, all thankful. Well, John, we're all thankful for that. Yeah, he found a place that was going to become available. Wow. So I, got I love this house. Thank you. Oh, my God, do I love this but, house. So anyway, thank you. Thank you. And you can subscribe to Recorded Live on iTunes. You can like us on Facebook. You'll see a picture of me interviewing Michael Constantine, so you know you have reached the correct Recorded Live page. Thanks for listening. Thank you again, Richard. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank and you. We'll see and you. go to richardskipper.com and you'll learn all about me. richardskipper.com. We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.